Thank you for joining us today. My name is Maccabee Griffin. And I'm Marcella. And this is Beyond the Pen, where we take the well-known adage, read between the lines to a whole new level and beyond. Each week we sit down with a new author to not only discuss one of their books, but also learn the story behind the story. Good afternoon, Marcella. How are you doing today? Same old, same old, Maccabee. How are you doing? Uh, same old, same old. You know how it is. So today's guest uh, is someone I think is somebody that's going to be very interesting for people to listen to today. Uh, and of course, Marcella being Marcella, she's brought us something uh, that we still need to think about in our life today. We need to make those changes as we are. And she always picks the, the right people. Um, I have not had one guest on here that I was not looking forward to talking to yet. But let me say this. When I was young, I lived in the country where there were a lot of ponds. And we used to go fishing all the time. And every time that we cast the line into the water, there would always be this ripple effect that I was just in love with because it just made it, it, it was fun to look at. And, you know, like every other kid, we just throw the rocks into the pond so we can just see where it has, of course, you know, see who could get the biggest splash with the biggest rocks and stuff like that. And after reading this book, it, it started to make me think a little bit differently about ripples, you know. We have the same ripples in our life every day, in just a different form. You know, we see it in our own personal lives, our careers, our finances, literally everywhere. We just don't look at it that way. And of course, just like a rock, when it hits the water, it depends on what happens when that rock hits our lives. You know, is it a small pebble that makes a small little ripple, or is it a huge boulder that like almost empties out? the pond. But it's these things that really do make a difference in our lives. You know, and of course there's always those people that have that mindset that's already in like okay, no matter what, I just got to do it. And we call those people stubborn. I call it Marcella, but that's another different story. Um but there are some circumstances that are easier said than done, but when you look at it in a different way, Maybe if we change that line just a little bit differently and say it as it's easier said when done. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I really am ready to uh, bring this gentleman on. Uh, he has written a book that's called The Ripple Effect Mindset. One Drop of Poison Contaminates the Mind. And it is the first book in a series uh, of other books that are really interesting that everybody needs to go find and look. And so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the Rippler himself, Brian Strubar. Brian, thank you for being on the show. Hey, Mac. It's great to be here. Hi, Marcella. How are you this morning? Hey, Brian. How are you? It's nice to see you. Oh, it's awesome to see you guys. Well, we appreciate you being on here. So I wanted to ask you just to briefly introduce yourself to our audience and maybe even share something that people don't know about you. Okay. So one of the interesting things about me is I am the oldest boy, but not the oldest child in a family of 10 children. So I actually have nine siblings. So I have four brothers and five sisters. So I got picked on a lot being the oldest boy, but you know, I also got blamed for about everything, <laughs> but you know, that's just life. Sometimes you got to have big shoulders, I guess. 
Um, so yeah, that was something that a lot of people don't know. And I love the way you introduced the ripple effect because I've been a fisherman ever since I was a little boy and I always loved to go fishing. And whether it was throwing rocks in the water while my dad was trying to fish because I was bored, <laughs> you know, because a lot of times they didn't bite when I wanted them to. So I would get bored. So I'd run up to the bank and, you know, throw rocks. And of course he would get, you know, upset about that because of course he can't catch them when I'm throwing rocks. <laughs> At least that's what he claimed. So yeah, it's, it's just been fun. And that, that kind of helped me to put into the book, the idea of the ripple effect, because ripples work their way out into all areas of the pond or the lake. And it's the same thing with our mind and our life. So I loved your analogy there. Well, I appreciate that. At least someone likes when I say stuff like that. He'd be the only one. <sighs> well, anyways. Uh, Mac forgets that people come here for me. <laughs> oh, and the authors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, just I'm the sure mouthpiece that just, yeah. I'm just the one that talks a lot, and she's the one that just sits there. And, yeah, she just sits there. Anyways. More shade. More shade. More Mac shade. forgets that I'm the one that brings the people to the table. That's because you're the one that schedules everything. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, well, we've all seen these cause and effects in our lives. And what happens when, of course, depending on the situation, what size rock it would be. And I just wanted to look at it at a different point of view real quick. Because, you know, you took that same philosophy and applied it to how we respond un to uncontrollable situations in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see if you would uh, briefly explain how that works and maybe uh, give us an example of how that applies to us. So there's a number of different examples I could use, but as a child, I had a very egotistical view of myself and felt like I was unstoppable. You know, pretty much I was better than everybody else. You know, nobody else quite measured up to me. I was better than everybody. And with having that, it also created an anger issue because I felt I had a right to be first, you know, have the biggest piece of pie, whatever it might be. And so I became a very angry person into my teen years and didn't realize that my anger and my pride was really pushing people away from me. It was having a ripple effect into other areas. And I didn't even realize it because I just thought that's who I am. You know, I'm just the best out here. You know, everybody should, so to speak, bow down and worship me, even though I didn't say that. You know, it was kind of my underlying attitude was, you know, you should never, you know, cross me. Don't ever, you know, question my decisions because, you know, I'm King Cheese here, so to speak. And it just doesn't work that way in life. I mean, it shouldn't either. You know, we all need to be equal and we should all be entitled to our own opinions. And so I realized that my anger and my pride was having a ripple effect into other areas and the relationships, you know, it just made a strain on a lot of things. And I realized that a lot of people didn't like hanging around me as much because I was always, you know, better than they were, so to speak. So that's just an example of how our attitude and our mindset can really have a ripple effect, you know, into our career. If you're, if you're working in the workforce or also into relationships, whether it's, you know, your friends or even a potential partner or spouse. So it definitely can have, you know, an effect on those around you. When did you have the epiphany that you're not better than everyone else? You know, that came probably around the time I was 20, 21, maybe 22-ish. I really um, got some help with that. I actually went to um, an anger resolution conference, and it really helped me to understand what anger stemmed from. 
in how it came from me thinking I had rights to things that weren't necessarily, you know, I don't have a right to be first on the highway or, you know, whatever it is. Cause I would get, you know, traffic rage. If you want to call it that, you know, somebody would cut me off. I'm like, what the heck? That was my piece of highway. How are you driving on it? You know? So, you know, I come first, you come first behind me, so to speak. And it was just, the more I realized how infiltrated the pride and the anger was into my life, it, it helped me to understand why it was so hard at times to quote, give in and let others go first, you know, let somebody else have the biggest piece of pie. It doesn't matter. It's not life or death. It's just the way I was seeing it. And it just kind of opened my eyes. It's like when I finally took my goggles off, I could now see the world from a whole different perspective. It wasn't all about me. And so it just kind of changed my outlook on life. And and I think that that's something that a lot of us um, still work on every day. I know Marcella does. Um, She does that with me every time that we talk anyways um it is fun i love you uh it is fun when we mess with each other all the time you know she always tells me i don't have enough hair that and i tell her that she has all the hair because of her ego and stuff like that but it's something that we do just because it's just fun to mess with each other Um, we have that sibling rivalry um, and I'm sure you have that in your family too, where that was oh, yeah. some something that impacted your mindset too with one another. And I wanted to ask you real quick, um, because of how she went, because uh, Marcella brought that up, how has that changed your relationship that you see between you and your family as well as others because you have started to recognize this stuff? Yeah, and I would say it's a complete difference now. Um, For example, I virtually don't get upset now. It doesn't really matter whether it's, you know, something that happens out of my control. You know, maybe I get in a car accident. You know, a lot of people get upset. You know, somebody cut them off and they hit them or whatever. It doesn't even really phase me in the sense that, you know, is everybody okay? You know, it's not like, you know, what the heck? You know, it's just going to cost me time and money. Now I can't drive my truck. It's got a scratch on it or whatever else. It doesn't matter. That's just an item. Items can be replaced. And I realized as I went through that anger resolution conference, how valuable people are and how much relationships matter more than things, because things can be replaced. People cannot. And relationships are important. So realizing and understanding how my mindset and my view of everyone else as less than me was actually, in essence, putting them down and I wasn't respecting them as an equal. And so it really created a change because now I had the ripple effect going in the right direction. And I believe you probably saw the illustration I used in the book where we all have different fears. And one of my fears was not being accepted, not being liked. And that was probably why I overcompensated with pride and ego um, because I wanted to be liked. So therefore, I had to prove to myself that I was you know, likable, even if I really wasn't at that point, because I was a know-it-all. But I think that the big difference is with our fears, just like a surfer, we can cower at at the side of a wave. So if you're swimming out to meet the waves and you see a big wave coming, you can either fear the wave or you can look at it as an opportunity. And so if you look at that wave as an opportunity, now you're excited at the potential. Yes, there's potential to fall. Yes, there's potential to fail at surfing, so to speak. But there's also a huge potential and an upside that you may be able to harness the power of that wave and ride it back to safety, so to speak. So thinking about that and looking at every opportunity in life, every situation that we encounter, is this a failure or is this an opportunity? And if you can look at everything as an opportunity, 
to be a bigger person, to stand stronger, you know, to grow, to learn, you know, it totally changed the way I looked at things instead of seeing everything as, oh, this is here to destroy me. No, it's not. It's here to grow me. It's a learning opportunity. So it doesn't matter what happens to me. What matters is my response. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it almost makes me think about um, the tender bar with Mm -hmm. um, Ben Affleck in it. And one of the things that I really noticed in it with the main character, and I wish I could remember the author's name because it was based off of his memoirs. um, I remember when he was trying to figure out, he was always telling himself he wanted to be a writer. I'm going to be a writer. That's all I've wanted to do since I was six years old. But my mom was always wanting me to be a lawyer. And he got into Harvard. He did all the stuff that his mom was wanting him to do. And then he started to work at the New York Times. And he was always doing this, you know, just to impress a woman that would always just use him and throw him away. But I remember one of the parts that was really important in the show and the movie, excuse me, is when when he was at the New York Times and he was up for, you know, instead of being a copy boy to becoming a full fledged reporter, they said that he just didn't have enough experience at it. And I remember the look on his face that made a real difference on that. And that was, I'm so relieved because now the wave is forcing me to be an actual writer. And one of the things I loved about when you were writing about that, you know, how you expressed the uh, procrastination, which made me think about it in a different light altogether too, because it's true how it affects how we deal with our daily tasks, let alone our lives. I was wondering if you could give us some recommendations on how we can make those changes in our life. Yeah, procrastination to me is really an epidemic. So many people procrastinate a lot of things, and a lot of times because of fear. But I also found that it's not fear if they would break it down. And there's actually a quote that I wrote as I was you know, working on my own procrastination. And I realized that a formula for disaster is this. If you should and you could, but you don't, that is the formula for disaster. So if you should and you could, but you decide not to for some reason, then that's just a formula for disaster because you are choosing not to do something that you should and you could. It's kind of obvious. You just either procrastinated, you let fear overcome you, or maybe you didn't know where to start. And that is the other one that I like. A success formula is start somewhere. It doesn't matter where you start, but you have to start moving. Don't just talk about doing. Do it because action equals results, not talking. Unless you're getting paid to speak. In most cases, speaking doesn't bring results. Speaking just brings lots of people to go, well, let's see you do it. You know, And so most of us procrastinate. I don't think anybody has to be taught how to procrastinate or even how to lie. And they'll tell you, oh, I'm working on it. But then they never do anything. They never start. The other problem I see is most people procrastinate finishing what they start because, well, I can always do that later. And I realized that success is not a dollar figure. Success is actually completing what we start. So if you have successful days, because whatever you start, you now complete, that totally changes the paradigm of what you feel in yourself. You now feel much more confident. You feel like you actually accomplished something. And so therefore, you move through your day with a much happier you know, dispensation, so to speak, or you just meet everything in your day with a happier personality. Why? Because you already feel like you won the day. And if you're always procrastinating, you're always feeling like failure is right on your heels. You know, it's like 
well, if I don't get that done today, you know, I'm going to be late on my bills. If I don't get that done today, I'm never going to do it. And, you know, especially if you have somebody nagging you to do it, then it gets even worse. So procrastination is often fear, but it's also often they don't know where to start. They don't know when to start. They don't know what the first step is. And if they would just stop and think, what is the first thing I need to do? In many cases, you know, it's a very simple step. And that's why in my coaching now, I help people in both relationships and business break down what it is they want to do into, quote unquote, a staircase of steps to success. Because if you can break it down into steps, just like you can't swallow an elephant in one bite, but a bite at a time, you can eat a whole elephant. So you just have to look at life and business and relationships. You know, if I want to increase communication, I have to do it one conversation at a time. You know, I have to sit down, have a conversation face to face. Don't, you know, sit there and look at your phone or play a game because that's unfocused or very distracted listening, if you want to call it that, if it's even listening at all. My wife would probably say that you're not even listening. Oh, I'm listening. I'm hearing you, but it's going in one ear and out the other. It's not resonating because I'm not focused. So focused attention is also a very key way to listen to somebody. I think that's why God gave us two ears and only one mouth is listen more than you speak. And that has helped me a lot. So I'm sure Marcella probably has a comment on that one. <laughs> I was going I was going to comment on uh, the very beginning of the your answer because I have this quote that I look at whenever I'm feeling whenever I begin to procrastinate beginning something and it's by Stephen King and it says um you can and you should and if you're brave enough to start you will but yes I I think that we all listen to react not not to hear and That's so I true. think it, something that I've I've taken from this already is holding ourselves accountable Mm-hmm. in general. And I don't know if that was the intent when you first started writing. That's that's what I'm taking away from it. And I'm sure everybody else is going to take something different, but that right there, holding ourselves accountable. And I think that's one of the big pieces that we often miss when it comes to success and completing what we started. We often don't hold ourselves accountable. We start something, we have great intentions and we get started and then, you know, something else comes up and distracts us. You know, we all are Often living our life, we're running around putting out the fires. We pay the bills that are due right now. We aren't paying the bills that are due next week. So if we just run around putting out fires all day, every day, you don't really get to plan your destiny. And I think that just like people plan a vacation, we need to plan our future and you'll get much further. See, the problem is not that people plan to fail. The problem is people fail to plan. And if you don't have a plan, you don't have something as a target you can drive in circles all day and never reach a destination. And I think that that's the biggest thing. They're running around, you know, in a cycle, basically paying bills, trying to stay afloat, you know, keep everything going, keep everybody happy, get the kids to ball practice on time, whatever it may be. And yet we don't realize we're just running in circles. This is a vicious cycle that never ends unless we literally say, okay, here's where we're going with our life. This is where our target is. And this is what we're going to shoot for. And then you can also eliminate things that are just a distraction from your main target or goal. It makes it so much easier to stay on track and analyze things because you can say, does this help us reach our goal? Does this help us get to where we're going? If it doesn't, then I guess we don't want to do it. And so you just have to look at things from a different perspective in many cases. And that has helped me a lot in procrastination is, you know, is this something that helps me on my main goal of what I really want to do and where I want to be? So. That's just part of the journey. And if you can enjoy the journey, it sure makes it a lot more fun along the way. And I'm I'm so glad you said that because it, it is absolutely true is that if you don't have a plan, you're never going to get anywhere. You don't know what you're going to do. You don't know how you're going to get there and all these other things. And 
I love how you tackle that with questions yeah. for each and everything when we're trying to analyze it. Now, mm-hmm. and I wanted to bring this up because a sure. lot of those questions are common sense questions, but we're just too far gone to realize, yeah. oh, why am I not asking these questions? Why is it happening? So can you briefly give us some examples of these questions and how we should be asking ourselves in these specific uh, situations? There's a lot of situations we could talk about, but I find that a lot of people are just living a very frustrated life. They don't know where they're going, what they're doing. And so asking yourself the question, who am I? Where do I want to go? Who do I want to be? What do I want to live out the remainder of my life doing? And a lot of people just you know, live with or are okay with existing in a job that they hate. If it's something you hate, no wonder you hate your job. You don't like doing it. But if you work at something that is your passion, and I don't even remember who said this, it might have been Zig Ziglar, I forget who it was now. They said, you know, if you can do something that you love, you never have to work another day in your life. And I think that that's so crucial. We all need to look for something that we enjoy doing, something that you have a passion for. And that's one of the reasons, actually, when COVID struck, you know, I love fishing. I've loved fishing all my life. And I always dreamed of being a captain and doing fishing charters. So when COVID hit, everything came to a halt. And I was like, everybody's sitting around on their devices. This is not good. You know, it's literally driving division and wedges. And so I started a fishing charter business. And I started taking people out on the lake, spending time with their sons and their grandsons, teaching them how to fish, teaching them how to, you know, bait a hook, tie on a hook you know, whatever it might be, teaching people that attraction is better than hunting. So many people go out in life and they just want to shoot everything down. It's not about going out and blasting everything. It's about attracting it to you. And that's kind of the ripple effect is what are you attracting? In my case, my ripple effect was my anger was driving people away. Now, my love and passion and just my care and concern about people and their well-being attracts people to me. Because they realize I really do care about them as a person. So that's one of the biggest life changes I've seen is because I was able to see myself in a totally different light. Instead of being better than everybody, we're all equal. You know, we all have problems. We all have failures. We all mess up. So what? It's not the end of the world. And if you're not dead, you're not a failure. And that was one of the things I wrote into one of my other books was about failure because I had internalized every failure as that was who I was. And I didn't realize that that was also having a ripple effect into my future because I projected myself as I'm going to probably fail at this. And therefore, I didn't even want to give it my whole heart. I didn't give it everything I had. And of course, you're going to fail if you do it half-hearted. So that was part of the problem. I was internalizing failure as failure is who I am. I am a failure instead of saying I failed in that attempt. Failure is actually just a time in history. It's a one-time attempt at success in whatever it is, whether you're trying to ride a bike, whether you're trying to walk as a child, whatever it might be. When a child tries to walk, they don't just say, well, I'm doomed to crawl or slide on my belly like a snake the rest of my life because I fell down once. They get up and try again. And it's usually hundreds and hundreds of times that they fall on their butt, they fall on their face, they skin their knees, you know, they damage their elbows. You know, it is what it is, but we don't quit. How many times do we, when we're learning to talk, mess up the English language. We say things we don't want to say. I still do. I still butcher it at times. And yet we don't give up. So in life, when you attempt something, don't see it as I am a failure. It's like, okay, how can I do this better? That didn't work. That didn't portray what I was trying to say. So how can I change that to make it 
come across and give the right perception of what I'm trying to say. Does that answer your question, Mac? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and more. And what I think is funny is that when, when you were talking about failure and how it affects us, mm-hmm. you know, it affects us in so many ways. You know, we have that fight or flight or freeze type of thinking. And one of the things I really wanted to say real quick was that you have a quote in here by Thomas Edison, and it says, I never failed once. It just happened to be a 2000 step process. And I think that's something that a lot of people are finding after this whole, you know, pandemic thing, Mm -hmm. you know, we've all stepped out and done things that we never thought we would be doing because we were finally brave enough to do it. You know, for me, it was to become a voice actor and this all started with this. I'm sure there was plenty of things Marcella had realized about herself more because of this as well. And then, of course, like you said, mm-hmm. starting your fishing business, I think it's something else that I think people need to really look at and find what it is that will help them to succeed in this. Absolutely. And. I wanted to ask you, because you have plenty of examples of this within your book of, okay, this can help you to succeed in terms of changing your mindset Mm -hmm. and this and this and this. Can you give them an example of something within the book that could help them to change their mindset, to succeed at whatever fear was keeping them from? You know, that's such a great question. And I see that so rampant. In almost every race and culture, it doesn't matter on your sex or what you do for work. It's so many people live in fear and procrastination, as we had already talked about briefly. And yet I think that if people can literally look at why am I afraid? A lot of times it's from things we were told when we were kids. A lot of times it's things some adult maybe told us, whether it was, you know, in Sunday school or at a picnic or wherever it might have been. Somebody said, you know, you'll never succeed. And we take that internally. And now we believe that because, well, they're an adult. They wouldn't tell me that unless they knew. But, you know, we never really look at, no, I don't have to believe them. I can choose to be different. And I think when we realize that our future is based on our decisions today, and that's why I said, you know, the formula for disaster and for failure is if you should and you could, but you don't, that is so crucial because you could do something different. You don't have to continue doing what you've always done. You know, just like driving a car, we don't stare in the rearview mirror. You're probably running into things going forward. You don't drive your life just looking at your past either. And it's so crucial. Look forward, pick a destination, start working in that direction. And then you can also look for things to aid you in that journey. Whether it's becoming a doctor, then you need to find medical school. Whether it's becoming a lawyer, you need to go to law school. You know, whatever it is, You just need to find the right people to help and assist you in the journey that you want to go down. But if you don't have an idea where you want to go, nobody can help you. And, you know, one of the things that probably really changed my life the most was understanding the value of a coach. And I don't even remember who said it uh, first in my life, but they said, you need to get a coach. You need to get somebody to help you see where you're at and what type of person you are and why everybody, quote, hates you. And it was like, okay. So I got a coach and they showed me that, you know, I had issues with pride and arrogance and anger and all these things. And everybody else was afraid that I would get mad, blow up and whatever else. Well, that makes sense. But when you look at the value of a coach, I have had numerous coaches now for almost 20 years. And that has changed who I have become. Because you think about even a pro pro sports player, they all have coaches. 
They have multiple coaches in multiple different areas. So they have health and nutrition coaches. They have physical coaches. You know, they have sports coaches. They have lots of different people to aid and assist them in what they do, how to be a better person, how not to internalize it, how not to give up in the middle of a game and things like that. They have to be mentally on top of their game or they're going to fail. They're going to give up before the game's over. And I think that's where a lot of people are in life. They give up. They simply accept existence over a life of success. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest things that so many people fail at because they're unwilling to get a coach. Like, well, I can't afford a coach. You can't afford not to have a coach. Matter of fact, I'll give you a really funny example. A good friend of mine who's also a coach has been a motivational speaker for about 40 years. He said, you know, if, you, if every person was actually able to make a million dollars a year, everybody could, right? You know, there are people making a lot more than that. But let's just say that every person out there is actually capable of earning a million dollars a year. So then you say, okay, so write down how much you made last year. And most people write, okay, 70000 100000 whatever it is. So let's just go with the example of 100000 So if a coach could help you reach your $1 million, how much did it cost you not to have a coach? It cost you 900000 last year not to have a coach. Oh, so the 1000 or two I need to pay to have a coach totally changes the price because now it's costing you more not to have them than it is to have them. And so if you look at the value of what a coach can do in helping you expand your mind, stay on track, stay on course, grow and expand your mind and and learn and grow and become better yourself, there's no stopping you. You can become an unstoppable force. And like you said, a lot of the different inventors, they didn't see themselves as a failure just because each attempt failed until they hit the success at the end. You know, whether it was the light bulb or electricity or the automobile, you know, the internal combustion engine. There's lots of different great examples of inventions that we use every day, and we don't think twice about it. But yet you think about it, to become an influencer, everybody wants to be an influencer in today's day and age. They all want to have a billion followers on Instagram or whatever, TikTok. And guess what? It takes thousands of episodes, if you want to call it that, thousands of little videos, thousands of posts for people to see value in what you do. And they go, well, I just want to make five posts and be an influencer. It doesn't work that way. And, and I think they forget, like you said, that it's a 2,000-step process to get to being an influencer. And they say to be a real expert, you have to have roughly 10,000 hours in that field. So if you want to be a marine biologist, you need 10,000 hours to be a really true expert and to be number one in your field as a marine biologist. And there's so many other things you could do, but that's just a quick example of what it takes to really be an expert. And so I don't know about you, Marcello, what you think of this conversation so far, but to me, it's life-changing when you can see yourself from someone else's point of view and get some feedback from someone like a coach. Oh, I'm going to agree with you on that uh, for many reasons. Um, I think as as a parent, we start out coaching our children and Mm -hmm. sometimes we can say things that are, that can be detrimental to their, their journey. Even my adult children now, I'll ask them, are you enjoying what you're doing? You know, when my 24-year-old is in college right now and was struggling with calculus, they failed calculus four times. And I said, are you enjoying this journey to your degree? And I, I didn't get a direct answer. It was more like, well, dad says. And I said, no, honey, it's, it's, you've got you've to like what you're doing. You've got to know that this is going to pop up later on. And you're going to be the one who is doing it. You're going to be the one sitting there, not dad and not me or your professors. 
Um, and there was something you said before, um, find a job you love doing and you'll never work a day in your life. I think that was Mark Twain. I believe it was Mark Twain. And imagine that someone from, you know, a century ago, somebody before we were born had this idea and we're still struggling with this in every aspect of life. We're still struggling with finding what we love and really living in that moment, in that space. And sometimes I, I have a coach. I actually have a couple of coaches. Like you said, there's several of them for different areas. And, you know, when I need a word and I'm not finding it within myself is when I'll call on this person and say, hey, you got a moment. I need to talk. So you're right. I think that everyone needs a coach in some area, uh, whether it be business or life or relationship. I am going to um, move past this just for a moment. Um, Max, sure. do you have any other questions? Because I want to be able to ask Brian my last two questions. We used to call this a speed round. I don't know why yeah. Mac would call it the speed round. It was five <laughs> questions and I have cut it down to two, my two okay. favorite ones. Yeah. So my first question for you, Brian, is what is your writing kryptonite? So I think mindset is probably the biggest one. If I'm struggling in my own mindset, maybe feeling like a failure or feeling like I'm down or just frustrated with life at different times, it's hard to feel inspired to write. What inspires me to write is usually when I've listened to, you know, an audiobook or two and just learning and growing and expanding my mind. The more I expand my mind, the more I can take the life lessons out of my own life and my own story. And it inspires me to write a book and to share those lessons with others. So that's probably the easiest way to answer that is, you know, my mindset usually is what keeps me from it. And it could also be a little bit of busyness. We're all busy, busy, busy with life, you know, running here, running there, trying to keep up, keep the bills paid, you know, keep the lights on. But yet, you know, we just need to take time, stop and think, spend a little time on yourself and think about who you are, where you're going, what you want to do. And to me, that is so powerful when you can literally just take some time, you know, go sit by the lake, go lay off out after dark and look at the stars if you need to. Whatever it is, just take some time. Stop and imagine yourself being much more than you are. And I think that that can literally have life-changing effects on how we see ourselves. And it can often inspire you to maybe write a book or a blog or share something that will impact, you know, thousands of others. That's a great answer. Mac, have we ever had that one? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, okay, so my last question for you. Is there a famous quote that inspires you to keep going in general, writing your life, etc.? So that's also a great question. And um, one of the quotes that I shared already, the formula for disaster, if you should and you could, but you don't, that has inspired me in so many different ways, just because I realized there were so many things that I could have done earlier in my life that I didn't, even though I could have, and I probably should have, but I didn't. And I, I had fear, I had anxiety, you know, I had frustrations and whatever, you know, I can always make excuses. But a life of success does not come from a life of excuses. Blaming others never gets you where you want to be. So if you can make reasons and if your reasons outweigh your excuses, that's what usually carries you over the threshold of frustration, fear, procrastination, all those things that stop most people. You just have to have more reasons than excuses. And if you start blaming, that can be a real sickness in the head, so to speak. It's like a epidemic of the mind is blaming everyone else. You know, blame the government, blame the gas price, blame your neighbor, blame whatever. I don't care what you blame. If there's other people that can do it, then 
they're, they just stopped making excuses. They stopped blaming other people and they just decided if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And they started doing and action is what it takes. And so to me, that's probably one of the greatest inspirational quotes that I've you know even written myself is it's a formula for disaster is if you should and you could, but you don't. Can't say anything better than that. I want to take this time to thank Brian for being our guest today and sharing the story with us behind his book, The Ripple Effect Mindset, One Drop of Poison Contaminates the Mind. Brian, thank you again for being on here. The floor is yours. Please uh, tell us where people can find you, where they can get your book, any live Mm -hmm. events, anything you would like to just close the show with. Sure. And I appreciate that. I really appreciate you and Marcella letting me come on your show here. This is really cool. And I love what you guys are doing. Um, You know, interviewing people like this, giving them a voice to share the behind the story. That's really cool. You know, Paul Harvey's not around to hear the rest of the story anymore. But I think that it's so cool that you give a voice and a platform to so many people who are, you know, sharing their life story, sharing their lessons. And I think probably one of the biggest lessons that I have learned from the different books I've written is don't ever quit. Don't ever give up. Don't let someone else's word of discouragement stop you from acting your way to success. And I think that that's just a a crucial thing. If people will take that to heart, don't let someone else speak negative into your heart. Don't believe it. They're trying to sabotage your success because they're jealous of who you are and what you're becoming. So just don't ever quit. Don't let someone else take your uh, your joy. Don't let them snuff your light out. Don't let them stop you. So with that, I yield the mic and thank you guys for having me on. Thanks so much. Marcella, what are your thoughts? What are my thoughts? That's um, what I just asked you. What are your thoughts? Here we go. My first thought is to punch you right in the face. Oh, that's Um, nothing new. (laughs) Second, uh, Brian is an extremely kind person that I I met on a fluke on um, on an app, and um, when I found out he wrote a book, I was very intrigued because when I meet people who are so um, selfless, that's a good word for him. He's selfless. Then I I want to know more. So I'm so glad my thoughts are just that I I'm happy that I was able to convince him to come on the show. Well, yeah, I I think when we were starting to talk and you introduced me to Brian earlier too, I think it it was pretty easy to twist his arm on this one, but other than that, no, it's you're right. He is a very kind person. He was helping us to learn about another app out there that people can go to and find. But yeah, I think this is something that a lot of people can used in their life to change their mindset, to figure out what questions that they actually need to ask themselves and to answer so that they can become more successful and more uh, bring more joy into their life. So I will end it on there, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again for listening to us. We really appreciate it. Go out and find Mr. Brian Strubar on uh, Amazon, find his book, and keep doing exactly what he said. Stop procrastinating. Do what you got to do. Become the best that you can be. And like we always say on the show, keep writing, keep inspiring, and keep sharing as you go beyond the pen.
Hey folks, that's a wrap for this episode of Beyond the Pen. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you'd like to stay connected and up to date with everything Beyond the Pen, follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod and Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast. For even more content and exclusive access to our guest profiles and more, make sure to visit our website at beyondthepenpodcast.com. Don't forget to join our Facebook fan page to interact with our favorite authors and fellow fans of the show. And if you want to take your Beyond the Pen experience to the next level, check out our selection of video interviews on Traverse TV's Video On Demand and Livestream. You can access these interviews through your Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iTunes, or the Traverse TV app. So until next time, thanks again for tuning in and remember to keep writing inspiring and sharing as you go beyond the pen.